Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. We the podcast. Yeah. This is America, oh, the Outdoor Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, February twenty third, two thousand twenty two. People, I hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's having a great day. Hope everybody is ready for a loaded episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Yes, that is right. Episode 499. And no, I have no grand plans for episode 500. So if you guys or girls have any idea on what I should do, feel free as always. DM me, slide into those DMs, or reach out to Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty standard Friday show. But we are on episode 499 right now. This is far from a standard show, and here is what we're going to talk about today. We will obviously open with the reaction and repercussions from what has quickly become the biggest story in sports, Juwan Howard. What happened? What was the suspension? Is it enough? All that good stuff. We have full reaction to Juwan Howard, 365 degrees, all that good stuff. From there, we will talk a little bit about some of the other kind of side effects or ancillary effects from this situation at, at, between Michigan and Wisconsin. Did Greg Gard get enough of a, of a punishment, I should say? Uh, we talk about some of the other dumb stuff. Should we abolish handshake lines? All these crazy topics that came out of this. We'll discuss it all. From there, we'll talk about some of the actual on-the-court stuff that happened on, thir- on Tuesday night in college basketball. UConn hosting Villanova in the biggest game in uh, Connecticut in years for the men's basketball team. And a couple other big ones from across college basketball. With that said, though... Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is what quickly became the single biggest story in sports, frankly, over, I don't know, the last four or five days, right? And what I will say is, before we get into all the details about what has happened since the last episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, what I will also tell you is, for Jawan Howard, I cannot think of a single worse time on the sports calendar for Jawan Howard to have done what he did than on the Sunday that directly came after the Super Bowl, that was also All-Star Weekend, meaning we had no football to react to. We had no NBA basketball to react to. The second half of the season is just now starting up. And so basically, this is the worst possible time that Juwan Howard could have found himself in this situation. Not excusing his behavior, obviously, but you talk about bad timing. And I'll just say this. I love college hoops. 
but I hate when college hoops is in the news for the wrong reasons. And the last three days, with nothing to react to, has just been an avalanche of bad takes and over-analysis and every single person chiming in from those people yelling and screaming, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Look at what Bobby Knight did 30 years ago. And then there's the others that are, fire him, you gotta fire him, you gotta get rid of him, you can ne- he can never see the light of day again, inexcusable behavior. So there's been a lot of Juwan Howard talk. There's been a lot to discuss. And so let's get into it because we now have a resolution for what happened on Sunday. And the resolution, I'm sure most of you, if not all of you know, is this. Juwan Howard has been suspended for the rest of the regular season. That is a suspension of five games, which means that he will be back in time for the Big Ten tournament and he will be back in time for any postseason, whether that is the NIT or NCAA tournament. And what I would say to the Juwan Howard punishment is pretty straightforward. It's not what I would have done, okay? Uh, It's not what I would have done, as I said on Sunday's show, if it had been up to me, if I was in charge, if I was the one-man judge and jury, what I would have done is what I said on Sunday. I would have suspended Juwan Howard for the remainder of the regular season, so those five games that he did get, I would have suspended him for the uh, Big Ten Conference Tournament, and then I would have suspended him for any postseason beyond that which is the NIT NCA tournament or something else and the reasons why are twofold I think there's the very serious aspect of this which you have to let Juwan Howard know that what he did was wrong that what he did was unacceptable that he cannot represent the university like this that is the first part of why give him about six eight weeks away from the program you don't have to fire him you don't have to fire him give him about six eight weeks away from the program allow him to kind of reflect on, oh my God, I really screwed up. And this is what my life is going to be like if I do something like this again. I'm not going to have a team. I'm not going to have a university. This dream job of mine, and Michigan is Juwan Howard's dream job, will be gone. I think on a much lighter note, which I talked about on Sunday's show, I also think that if you suspend him for the season, one, one, you give Juwan Howard time to reflect, but two, you make it look really serious, even if it's not, without really losing anything. Because this to me, as I said on Sunday show, it's almost like when you give yourself a self-imposed NCAA tournament ban or NCAA bowl ban, a bowl ban when you know you're not good, when you're six and six, or when you're five and seven, or when you're five and six and you got one game left of the season, Michigan really has nothing to play for. They're at best a bubble team. If they get in, they're not winning anything. So you allow very serious repercussions for Juwan Howard without really risking all that much for the university. Instead, the school decided five-game suspension, this is it, end of the regular season will allow him back for the Big Ten tournament. Again, not what I would have done, but I'm also not going to sit here and do what every other person in the media has done the last four, three, four days, which is completely overreact and yell and scream and it's way too much or it's not nearly enough. I think it's about on the bottom part of what is acceptable. Again, I would have given him the rest of the season, come back for the 2022-2023 campaign. You're not fired, you still have your job but you're done for the rest of this season. But I'm not like outraged. I'm not going to yell and scream. I think one to two games would have been not enough. I certainly think no suspension wouldn't have been enough. But I also, as I said on, on, on Monday's show, that I did believe that a firing was also completely unacceptable. So why do I believe that the, 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 the five games is acceptable? I believe anywhere from five games to the rest of the season would have been appropriate. 
to me, there are three definitive reasons that you that five games was the bare minimum. Five game people said it, it, is five games enough. Torres, you wanted him suspended for the rest of the year, but is five games enough? I believe it's enough, but I believe that is the bare minimum. That was the minimum of what was acceptable was the rest of the regular season. And to me, there are three reasons why. The first one is, and I don't think this has actually been covered enough. This is not Juwan Howard's first run-in with another college basketball coach. I know most of you guys and girls remember, because you're huge college basketball fans, you wouldn't listen to this podcast if you weren't. But Juwan Howard had a dust-up with Mark Turgeon, the former Maryland coach, in last year's Big Ten tournament. Same deal, handshake line, late in the game. Um, and I, I think it's been out there long enough right now. It's been reported long enough. But, but there was some back and forth, and, and, and Mark Turgeon may have said some things about Juwan Howard, about the Fab Five, that Juwan Howard uh, took offense to, was not happy with. And if those things that Mark Turgeon said were actually true, I would not have been happy with it either. But it's not as though this is Juwan Howard's first incident. And so for Michigan, you have to give him a bare minimum of the regular season because it's like, dude, this is strike two now. This is strike two. And if this happens again, you're in real trouble and we can't justify defending you if this happens again. This happened last year. By the way, it's only year three for Jawan Howard. It's not like, like people want to crush Bobby Knight. People trying to bring Bobby Knight into this thing. It's like Bobby Knight, probably not a very nice guy. But he had like two or three real incidents over a 30-year career. Juwan Howard has had two dust-ups with two different coaches in conference in three years as a head coach. And I'm not saying we have to fire him and send him away and never allow him around children. Like That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is two incidents in three years, it's starting to become a trend. And I think Michigan had to make it very clear that this is not acceptable. And if this happens again, you're out. The other reason that I would add that I believe that five games was about the bare minimum of what you could have given them and easily could have justified more, I do think that on top of the fact that, oh, I don't know, he actually swung at a Wisconsin assistant coach is the fact that, like, I don't think he really showed any contrition. And to be clear, I'm not one of those, like, uh, that sorry wasn't sincere enough to me. By the way, I don't know if any of you guys and girls watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> There's a great episode where Larry David, um, you know, his sorry wasn't sincere enough. And so, like, I'm not that guy. I'm not here to say he wasn't sorry. He wasn't upset enough. He, he, he didn't, there weren't tears flowing down his cheeks. I don't believe that he's actually sorry. But at the same time, in kind of an incredible story, I was blown away that they even allowed him to do post-game media. But they allowed Juwan Howard to do post-game media. And in the post-game media, like he didn't back off what he did. He didn't apologize even then for what he did. He explained it away the way that he explained it away that we all know. Well, you know, I didn't really like that he called the timeout. And so when he called the timeout, I was upset. And I let him know. And it's like, bro, you, you, you just swung at another coach. I'm not saying that Greg Gard doesn't have blame. We'll get to Greg Gard in a minute. But when you go to the podium... Even if you don't apologize to Greg Gard, and it was interesting, by the way, if you read Juwan Howard's apology note that was released by the school, Juwan Howard did not at any point directly apologize to Greg Gard. But I bring it up because even if you're still mad, even if you think that you're right, that you're allowed to press and he's not allowed to call a timeout, which is idiotic, by the way, even if that's your belief after all this time, you can still go to the podium and feel and act a little bit more remorseful, maybe not towards Wisconsin or Greg Gard, but you could say something like, man, this wasn't a great moment for me, 
this wasn't a great moment for the university I love and to Michigan fans and to my own players and to whoever I apologize. Like there is a way where you can at least pretend to be apologetic because I think that's part of why the suspension had to be what it was because he clearly didn't understand how serious what he did was. And to me, that's the third reason why this is the bare minimum of what's an acceptable suspension. It's because this could have been so much worse. And it's really interesting because in general, if you guys and girls listen to this show, you know, I don't live in the never, never land. I don't talk about stuff that is never going to possibly happen. I like to, to, to live in the moment, who, what, when, where, why, what happened, what does it mean, all that good stuff. What I don't do is make-believe stuff. The stuff that, uh, you know, dry, the stuff that I find to be the least compelling content that people do. Let's do a redraft. If the 2017 NBA draft was today, who would you take number one overall? It's like, who cares? Markel Feltz went number one overall. You could have had Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, uh, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, but you took Markel Fultz. So I don't really care about doing a redraft because I don't really, like, it, it never happened. And so I bring it up because I don't generally do the, well, if this had happened, then what about that? And if this, what about, the, like, that's not how I operate. But at the same time, in this conversation, I think it's worth noting, considering what Juwan Howard actually did, and I'm not saying he's the only one to blame here, but considering what Juwan Howard actually did, this could have been much, much, much worse. I had a listener reach out to me on, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday before I started recording. They brought up a good point. I said, hey, Aaron, I'm just curious for your perspective. What would have happened if Juwan Howard, instead of hitting and touching um, you know, physically hitting an assistant coach. What if instead he hit a Wisconsin player? What if a Wisconsin player was in the way and got hit even if he was intending to hit an assistant coach? Well, Juwan Howard would have been the modern-day Woody Hayes, and Juwan Howard would have been fired. And so you think about all of the ramifications of what could have happened. It could have been a closed fist. Somebody could have been seriously hurt. It could have been a Wisconsin player. It could have been... I don't know, a referee, a fan, somebody, it could have been so much worse. And so that to me is why this five game suspension makes sense. Because you have to set the tone that this type of behavior is not appropriate, that this type of behavior cannot be tolerated, that this is zero tolerance going forward, right? We gave you last year with Mark, Mark Turgeon, we blamed him. We're giving you now to work through your own issues, whether it's if you want to call it anger issues or whether you want to call it whatever. We're giving you that. Take a step back. Think about what you did. Think about everything that you could have lost and think about everything that was potentially at risk if it had gone worse. And so to me, the five games feels about right. I would have given them a little bit longer, but I'm not going to sit here and be outraged that it wasn't longer itself. And now, Juwan Howard, it's up to you, man. It's up to you. I said it on Sunday's show. Everyone I know who spent time around him says he's a great guy. He loves the university. Uh, and I think that's kind of reflected in, in his behavior for the most part since he's gotten to the university. Cried the day he accepted a job. Talked about how much Michigan means to him. Cried last year when they won the Big Ten regular season title on the court, hugging his players. You could see how much the school means to him, how much success means to him. Well, now, Juwan Howard, take some time, sit back. We'll all move on but you got to serve your punishment. Really quickly, a couple other reactions from this Juwan Howard, you know, Michigan-Wisconsin fiasco. And I'll say this. Is anyone else, like, kind of surprised that Greg Gard didn't get suspended at all? And to be clear, to be clear, because I know I'm going to get it from some of you, 
I'm not saying what Juwan Howard did was okay. I'm not excusing Juwan Howard's behavior. I believe that the five games was a minimum punishment that he should have gotten. I, I already just said all that. But at the same time, anyone else feel like Greg Gard should have gotten like a game? So for people who don't know, Juwan got five games. Juwan Howard got five games plus uh, a $40,000 fine. Greg Gard got a $10,000 fine. To which I say like, kind of feel like Greg Gard should have gotten at least one game. Because while I'm not excusing Juwan Howard's behavior, can we call a spade a spade here? Didn't Greg Gard kind of sort of instigate this? I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm not saying that Juwan Howard's right. I'm not saying that Juwan Howard has the right to be mad that he's pressing and then Greg Gard calls a timeout. But at the same time, Greg Gard did kind of instigate this whole thing, right? When Juwan Howard's walking by, Juwan Howard's walking by, he's ready to move on. He wants nothing to do with you. And you grab him and pull him in? I said it on Monday's show. I'm not excusing Juwan Howard's behavior for the hundredth time. But what's your first reaction when somebody grabs you? What's your first reaction if you know you screwed up? Like, like whatever it is. I'm not even going to try to make a, a, an abstract example. When somebody grabs you that you don't want to be grabbed, you pull away. You get mad. Don't touch me. That seems like pretty standard behavior. And so I think... Juwan Howard's punishment was fair, but I thought Greg Gard probably should have gotten a game. Not saying it had to be five games, not saying it had to be the season, um, but I also, I also kind of felt like it wasn't really enough relative to the fact that Greg Gard wasn't, you know, Greg Gard had a role in this as well. So Wisconsin, they play next on uh, this evening, actually, at Minnesota, uh, and Greg Gard will be on the sidelines I thought he should have gotten a game, but he didn't. Felt like he kind of instigated this a little bit. By the way, there were three players who also got a game because in the midst of the melee that Juwan Howard and Greg Gard started, um, they threw a punch. And so that, to me, I think it's pretty standard conference protocol. I don't think there was really, you know, like up for debate. It's a minimum of one game, and then you can go more after that. Uh, three players, I kind of feel bad for them. It's, uh, you know, their, their actions were reflective of their leadership, which was Greg Gard and Juwan Howard. But those three players got a suspension as well. Before we move on, I do have two other things that I want to talk about as it pertains to this Juwan Howard, Greg Gard situation. And what I want to do is put a bow on this because one thing that, that I, just, I just vehemently, 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 vehemently dislike about when you have a topic this big, right? There are some topics that I'll talk about on this show that they just aren't that big that that many people care about. Like, I can talk about Caleb Williams. Is he going to transfer here? Is he going to transfer there? Should he transfer at all? That's not going to bring out the emotion in people and the passion in people and, to be honest, frankly, the idiocy in people like something like this does, right? Because this is so passionate, right? It's, 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 it's a punch. It's school officials. It's all that stuff. And so it brings out some really, really, really stupid takes, some really dumb takes that I just want to squash forever so we can move on and actually talk about what's going on on the court. And specifically, this is what I want to do. I want to call out two guys in specific, okay? I'll call out two guys, not guys. I'm not talking about a guy in the media or a guy that's a coach or a guy that's a broadcaster. I'm talking about guys. You know those guys, right? Guys. I don't even, I can't even do the voice anymore. But the guys that are like, they're just dudes. They're metaphors for dumb people, right? I, I always talk about, um, yeah, but guy on social media. 
You say, oh, the sky is blue. What a beautiful sunny day. Oh, it's not blue where I am. Yeah, but let me tell you, about three weeks ago, we had some clouds. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but shut up. Yeah, but guy, I'm talking about today right now, the clouds, there's no clouds. It's beautiful, sunny. And so there's two guys that I want to call out that if you are one of these people, I'm sorry. I love you. I support you. I appreciate you listening to this show. But you just sound so stupid when you talk about these two specific topics as it pertains to the Juwan Howard Greg Gard situation. The first guy, guy, the first guy is, well, at my job, I could have, I would immediately be fired, guy. Like that was the, that was the default for everybody who wanted Juwan Howard fired. I was not one of them. I think most of you probably fell in the camp of not wanting Juwan Howard fired, but he clearly needs to be punished severely. But there were a few of you. And the number one argument for you got to fire Juwan Howard. Well, at my job, I would have been fired. Well, listen, here's what I'm going to say. Guy, nobody cares about you, okay? Nobody cares about you at the paper mill. Nobody cares about you substitute teaching over at the elementary school. Nobody cares about you assistant volunteer little league. Like, nobody cares about you, okay? Context matters with all this stuff. And so please stop flooding my social media timeline with, well, at my job, I would have been fired. Yeah, your job, you would have been fired because you don't matter, okay? You do not matter. And by the way, it's not just you. It's a metaphorical you because guess what? I don't matter at many of my jobs as well. I work at Fox Sports Radio, and if I did something dumb, Fox Sports Radio would not hesitate to get rid of me, nor should they hesitate to get rid of me because I don't matter. But Jawan Howard is a little bit of a different deal, okay? Yes, what Jawan Howard did was wrong. Yes, I am not forgiving or forgetting how serious what he did was. But at the same time, it's not like you at your job. You are not one of the highest paid officials in your job, very likely. You are not working at your alma mater. You are not working at a state university. You are not one of the most prominent alums in your, uh, at your job, in your alma mater, at your university. You're not paid millions of dollars. You don't make millions of dollars for your university or for your employer. Because if you did, guess what? There'd be a little more wiggle room if you screwed up than if you're the guy at the paper mill that's sweeping floors overnight. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. I respect any guy or girl that makes an honest living. But you at your job is not Juwan Howard at his job, and please stop comparing. And what drives me crazy is <laughs> there's different context for every type of job and different context when it comes to every type of situation. I'll give you a quick side story because it, it sticks in my mind. I remember, do you guys and girls remember about six, seven years ago, there was a story in the NFL involving a guy named Jonathan Martin. Jonathan Martin was a Stanford football player. He's playing in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. And this big story comes out about bullying. And I don't remember all the details now, but I remember talking about it at the time. And I remember talking about it with some employee, employer friends of mine. And there was talk of like, you have to throw the guys out of the league that bullied Jonathan Martin. I'm like, no, you don't. They're like, yes, you have to throw them out. That would never be acceptable at our job. And I'm like, yeah, but there's stuff that's acceptable at our job that isn't acceptable other places. I worked in TV at that time. Behind the scenes, I wasn't on camera. That's neither here nor there. But my boss used to swear. My boss used to come in and say, what the F just happened? How the F did you just F that up? You can't do that. You can, my boss could do that. You know who can't do that? An elementary school math teacher. Uh, an elementary school science teacher. Uh, a pastor at a church can't just come in and just start dropping F-bombs. But in some places, it's, it's acceptable. 
in some places, uh, you could take a month off and it's no problem. If you're a teacher, nobody's checking in on you from July 1st to, J- to August 1st, right? Go away for a month. Nobody cares. I can't do that in my job. And so I'm just getting off track here. But I bring it up because the point I'm trying to make is if I have to hear one more, well, yeah, in my job, I, I know. But you are not one of the highest paid employees at your, at your employer. You are not working at your alma mater. You are not one of the most prominent alums in your alma mater. By the way, if you get fired, guess what? There's not a huge HR crisis in which they're bringing in lawyers and outside counseling, and you probably won't have an agent that's fighting for every dollar on your multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. And by the way, if you are, then that's a little bit of a different deal. But most of you, most of us, myself included, we are not the Juwan Howard of our job, nor should you compare yourself. So that was the one first dumb thing. Can we stop with the yeah, but at my job, at my job, I don't care about your job. I don't care about what happens um, wherever. I'm happy that you're the volunteer little league coach and you, 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 you work for Parks and Rec and you, uh, you, know, you, you paint the lines on the baseball field. I said a minute ago, no disrespect to anybody who makes an honest living, but you were not Juwan Howard. Stop comparing yourself to Juwan Howard. Secondly, the second, I mean, just preposterously dumb take that came out of this whole situation. It was, this is the guy, right? The guy. Well, we have to eliminate handshake lines. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. If, listen, if you are one of those people that believes that this is proof that we have to eliminate handshake lines, this is what I need you to do. I need you to pause this podcast, I need you to put your phone down, and I need you to go grab a chair face the wall because you're in timeout. Not allowed to listen to the rest of this podcast. Not allowed to listen to the rest of this podcast. It is so illogical. It makes absolutely no sense. Okay, so we have this thing that goes right 99.9999999999% of the time. And by the way, it's in sports. So it's during competition. It's not like this was the only competitive game where the coaches didn't like each other at the end. But everybody else can figure out a way to do it correctly. Coach K, never seen him take a swing. Hubert Davis, my boy Mike Woodson, never seen him take a swing. Never seen John Calipari take a swing. Never seen Bill Self take a swing. Never seen Tom Izzo take a swing. Never seen Mick Cronin take a swing. Never seen Mark Few take a swing. Scott Drew, Mike Boynton. Uh, I think I said Hubert Davis, Chris Mack. Never saw anybody else take a swing. So the idea that we have to abolish handshake lines, what are you talking about? I'll use a very extreme example, and I don't mean to make compare one situation to the other, and I don't mean to make light or a joke of this situation. But remember how I said last episode, I said the way I operate, I, you know, I believe that nobody should be judged at their worst moment. Remember, like, like let, me, let, me, let me backtrack, and I want to say this carefully. I'm not making a joke. I'm not making light. But imagine if somebody was arrested for, I don't know, say domestic violence, right? Very serious crime whatever, legal system determines it's, it's this, that, the other thing. But imagine if somebody got arrested for domestic violence. They hit their spouse, whether it's a wife hitting her husband, a husband hitting his wife. And that person went to court. And that person was asked to explain themselves. And that person said, well, you know, what I did wasn't good, but we should probably just get rid of marriages. We should probably just stop giving out wedding licenses. You'd be like, what? What does one thing have to do with the other? What do you mean people shouldn't get married because somebody committed domestic violence? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that's how you sound if you believe that the handshake line should be eliminated. 
The handshake line had nothing to do with this. It was testosterone from one guy. It was testosterone from the other guy. It was one guy grabbing another while he was walking by. It was another guy not liking being grabbed and taking a swing at somebody. So how about instead of abolishing the handshake line, we abolish grabbing other people in an aggressive manner. And when I said this on social media, of course, people were like, well, I mean, that is the, the handshake line. You grab other people. No, there's a difference between shaking a hand, slapping somebody on the butt saying good game, and doing what Greg Gard did and grabbing Juwan Howard and not letting him walk away. How about instead of abolishing the handshake line, we abolish idiots grabbing each other and holding on to them. How about at the same time, we abolish other idiots taking swings at people in that line. And so I'm done with this conversation. I'm over it. But please, for the love of God, uh, well, at my job, I would have been fired, guy. And we need to abolish the handshake guy. Just sit this one out. You sound stupid. You sound idiotic. I think it's time to move on. Okay, that last part was a little therapeutic. Very serious subject. Not making light of all these different things. But some people sound so dumb. And like I said, this Juwan Howard thing, I think it brings out the worst in people because it's something everything, everyone can have an opinion on, right? You don't have to be a sports fan. You don't have to be a Michigan fan. You don't have to be a Wisconsin fan. You don't have to be a Big Ten fan. You don't have to be a basketball fan. This isn't where is Caleb Williams going to transfer to. It isn't, um, you know, uh, uh, should Coach K retire? Should he stick around another year? It's not should Jabari Smith or Paulo like. Like, it's something that everybody can have a reaction to. And so when everybody has an opinion on something, some of them are bound to be dumb. And I'm sorry. If you think this is about the layup line, and if you think this is about you and your job, nobody cares. All right, that's what I want to do. Take a quick break. I want to come back. I do want to talk about some of the stuff that happened across college hoops today. What a day. When I say today, I actually mean yesterday on Tuesday. What a day. So much. Oh, my goodness. Juwan Howard. I think we're done talking about that one for a good long while. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. I'm back. Going to be back. Going to be back. And I do want to switch gears. And we just spent a bunch of time talking about the frustrating, annoying, exhausting Juwan Howard story. I'm glad that we can finally put it behind us. Don't know Juwan Howard, but I hope he can put this all behind him and get back to doing what he does, which is be a really good college basketball coach. But I want to put that behind us, and I want to focus on what happened on the court on Tuesday night in college hoops. And if you listen to this podcast, if you know anything about me, if you know anything about my background, you kind of know where I'm going to go with this segment because there was a lot of good games on Tuesday night. Boise, one point win over San Diego State. Oh, my goodness, what a game it was. Michigan State falls and gets destroyed by Iowa. Keegan Murray's awesome, by the way. Probably should pay attention to him. Uh, Arkansas goes to the O-Dome, beats Florida. Mike White seat is scorching, neither here nor there. What else happened? Alabama beat Vandy, Tennessee beat Missouri, on and on and on and on. (laughs) But I don't want to talk about those games. Those games are great. But those games don't have big picture, landscape altering results like what happened Tuesday night in one particular place. And that particular place, a little place called the Excel Center in Hartford, Connecticut. A little place called beautiful Hartford, 
pretty close to where I grew up. I'm not saying I, I could walk to the Excel Center from where I grew up, but I could kind of walk to the Excel Center from where I grew up. And at the Excel Center, the number 21-ranked UConn Huskies hosted the number 8-ranked Villanova Wildcats. Villanova came in. They had only lost two games all year in the calendar year of 2022. 21-6 overall. Two losses this entire calendar year. If my math is correct, I could be off by a little bit, but I think they were like 14-2 and two overall in the calendar year of 2022. They walk in. They have a lead. They have control. We're going to talk about all the logistics in a minute. They're up by four points with 20 seconds to go, but not today. UConn basketball at home at the Excel Center in front of a rabid, wild, awesome crowd. Sellout. They beat the, the Villanova Wildcats 71-69. They, they overcome a four-point deficit in the final 20 seconds of the game to get a win in what was one of the most thrilling wins anyone has had all year. And I'm just going to say it. If you had any doubt if UConn basketball was back or not, bad news. UConn basketball is back, baby. UConn basketball is back. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. And what I would say is this. One thing, there were so many great takeaways from this game, even from Villanova's perspective. Villanova was awesome. But what I would say is what's unfortunate about this game is that it was overshadowed by the refs. And if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not blame the ref guy. Every time a team loses in basketball and football and the NFL and college and whatever. We know what happens. Everybody rushes to social media. It's all the ref's fault. I'm not that guy. But what I will say was the refs were straight up abominable in this game. So I want to get to all the great things that happened on the court. I want to credit all the players on both teams. But the story of the game is the refs. For those of you who did not see it, the video is up on my social media page. But... Dan Hurley, the UConn coach, got ejected from this game in one of the most absurd displays of just awful refing that I have ever seen, okay? So early in the first half, tight game, intense game, Big East game, this one, it, it, you know, they say the SEC, it just means more. Mm-hmm, UConn, uh, Big East basketball means a lot too, okay? Super intense game, super tight game. UConn, one possession, gets two, three, four offensive rebounds. They can't get a bucket because every time they go up, it appears as though they get fouled. Dan Hurley is yelling and screaming, and he's mad. He gets teed up by the refs. And what I would say in the refs' defense, he probably deserved to get teed up. (laughs) Then you know what happened? Dan Hurley steps away. He claps his hands. He turns around, and he starts firing up the UConn fan base. He turns around and starts waving his hands saying, let's go. Let's go. And what happens? Dan Hurley gets popped with a second technical foul for waving the fans, getting the fans excited about this game. It was, I'm not even kidding, and I'm not saying it as a UConn fan and alum. It was the most egregious, idiotic, worst technical foul that I have ever seen. You know how I know it was bad? Buddy of mine, John Rothstein, I love John. John's incredible at what he does. John never criticizes the refs. John never says anything super critical. That's just not his brand, okay? And that's not a knock on him. That's just reality. John Rothstein was crushing the refs for this. 
So Dan Hurley gets ejected, and then we just have this incredible back-and-forth game. In some ways, I think it rallied the team. I think it rallied both teams. And what I would say was, I thought UConn was probably the better team for most of the end of the first half, early second half, mid-second half, late second half. Yet if you're watching the game, you know what happened. Villanova, to its credit, just made all the big plays. Colin Gillespie, I know he's not super big, super athletic. He doesn't have the NBA frame or vertical leap or whatever. He's just making play after play after play. Makes a steal on Tyrese Martin. Uh, Makes a big three, makes a big this, makes a big that. And Villanova has a lead. And I'm not exaggerating. I literally was sitting there in the apartment where I live. I'm on the floor. Like, not on the floor, like, balled up. But I'm sitting behind my chair like, I can't believe UConn's going to lose this game. I can't believe UConn is going to lose this game because they are playing the best team that they have faced since Auburn in November. They have been the better team at home without their head coach, and they're going to lose this game. 20 seconds left, ball gets knocked out of bounds. What happens? Remember, Danny Hurley is out at this time. Kamani Young, the assistant coach who took over for him, calls a brilliant play, gets Tyler Polly fifth sixth-year senior. Correct me, he's a sixth-year senior that has been there since the Kevin Ali era. Comes off a screen. UConn fans, you'll remember it was the Rashad Anderson play from back in 2006 when Rashad Anderson and Marcus Williams ran it to a T. Three-point shot. UConn cuts a four-point lead to one. But still, this is under 20 seconds left. UConn's not going to win this game. Then what happens? Inbound the ball to Colin Gillespie. He's trying to wrestle it away from whoever. I thought, and it goes back to the referees here, there was probably a foul. They call a jump ball. UConn possession. UConn gets the ball. They get it to R.J. Cole, fifth-year senior, sat out one year after transferring from Howard. R.J. Cole gets the ball. Hits a shot. UConn takes the lead. So they went from down one to, uh, down four, excuse me, to up one in like 10 seconds of real game action. Tyler Pauly three cuts the lead to one. Turnover on Colin Gillespie. Turnover on um, change of possession. RJ Cole gets the ball. And then Colin Gillespie gets the ball, rushes it down court, attacks the rim. Boom. Collision at the rim. They call a charge on Villanova. The game's over. And so what I would say before we go anywhere and before we get into the big picture of what this means, first of all, UConn got the ball back, made free throws, they won the game. But the refs were terrible on both sides. The refs should have never thrown out Dan Hurley. That was one of the worst calls that I have ever seen as a fan of college basketball. And then on top of that, two really tough calls go against Villanova in the final minute. And if a Villanova fan is mad, then a Villanova fan has every right to be mad. But the bottom line is that independent of how bad the refs were on both sides, on both sides, by the way, the ref that called the tech on Dan Hurley, his name's James Breeding. Fun fact about him. I've interviewed James Breeding before. James Breeding was one of the referees for the six-overtime game between Syracuse and UConn. So you talk about a little historic anomaly. How about that? James Breeding, one of the referees for the six-overtime game for Syracuse and UConn. And so I bring it up because UConn gets the win. They were down four points with 20 seconds to go, and they win in regulation. Shout out Dan Hurley. Shout out the guys. Shout out Kamani Young, who was replacing Dan Hurley and was awesome. And what I would say 
if I had one big picture takeaway about this game, it'd be this. It'd be, you can like us, you can hate us, but UConn basketball is back, baby. And what I would say about UConn is this, is that, first of all, yes, UConn, if you follow college basketball, you know it's one of the elite programs of really the last 30 years. Credit to Jim Calhoun, built a monster from the ground up in stores in the late 80s and early 90s. But what I would also say is, over the last four, five, six years, it's been tough for UConn fans, right? Every program goes through it. It's never easy for anybody. Kentucky fans had Billy Gillespie. Um, North Carolina fans had Matt Doherty. UCLA fans had whoever, Steve Lavin, Ben Howland, Steve Alford. Maybe Mick Cronin's finally the guy. Arizona fans had a bad year or two between Lute Olson and Sean Miller. And UConn fans had Kevin Ollie. And what's crazy about Kevin Ollie, Kevin Ollie won a national championship in 2014. But after that, it was all downhill from there. Under Kevin Ollie, yes, he wins a national championship. Yes, he, 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 we're, UConn fans are forever indebted to Kevin Ollie, okay? But his final two years at the school, losing record, losing record. Dan Hurley takes over. He's, he has his struggles, whatever. But the point that I'm trying to make is this, is that while UConn has had a couple very bad years, while UConn was not great at the end of the Kevin Ollie era and the beginning of the Dan Hurley era, the one thing that I have consistently said, UConn is one of the best fan bases in college basketball. UConn has one of the most passionate, energetic lively, crazy fan bases in college basketball. For people who don't know college basketball history, I'm slapping my mic here. I, I Forgive me. When UConn first emerged under Jim Calhoun and Gino Oriema was building the women's program, UConn had something called the Horde that followed them. The Horde was the single biggest group of local media people that followed them. There was about 15 local newspapers four or five TV networks, whatever. This was back in the day. But I bring it all up to say this, is that when UConn is rolling, I'm not saying they're the best fan base in college basketball. There's some great fan bases in college basketball where, again, to use the SEC parlance, it just means more. There's some great fan bases in college basketball. I've been to Rupp Arena. It is an incredible place. I will not say that anybody... Loves college basketball more than Kentucky fans. I was in Tucson a few weeks ago. I'm telling you, Arizona fans love Arizona. When they go to the Pac-12 tournament, they call it the Arizona Invitational. Because that place is sold out, and it's all red, it's all Arizona. I think Syracuse is one of the most underrated fans. I mean, when you put 30,000 people in a football stadium for a big game, that's a real fan base. Duke. You criticize Duke. I was there in Vegas on on, uh, on Black Friday. That whole city all weekend long was littered with blue. Duke has a real fan base. Gonzaga has a real fan base. I'm not going to go on forever. But the point that I'm trying to make is this. Is that when UConn is fully locked in, when UConn is fully ready to go, when UConn is operating at the highest level that it possibly can, I'm not saying that it's definitively the best fan base in college basketball. I'm not saying it's better than Kentucky. I'm not saying it's better than Arizona. I'm not saying it's better than Duke. I'm not saying it's better than North Carolina, Kansas, whoever I've forgotten. 
But what I am saying is there is no program in the country that loves its team more. And for the first time in a long time, it felt like we saw that on Tuesday night. We saw a big, loud, sold-out Excel Center, 17,000 people. Nobody sat the entire game yelling and screaming. It was awesome. It was incredible. It was vintage UConn, okay? When Dan Hurley took this job, that's what he said. He said, I, I wanna, I've seen it from a distance. I've played in it when I was at Seton Hall. I want to be part of it. And for the first time in a long time, that felt like UConn. A couple other notes from Tuesday night. First of all, let me say this. Yes, UConn fans rushed the court after the game. If you are one of those people that was on social media criticizing UConn because they had the audacity to rush the court, what I would say is just one thing very simply. Please shut up. Please shut up. As a matter of fact, remember what I just said with Juwan Howard a minute ago? If you're one of those people that thinks that we should abolish the handshake line because Juwan Howard had the audacity to take a swing at somebody, and I said, go sit in timeout. Your phone privileges are revoked for a minute. Go put your phone in timeout too. Well, if you are one of those loser people that's an adult that is criticizing UConn fans for rushing the court, get a grip. You're a freaking loser. Okay, what I would say is a couple things. First of all, from a UConn fan's perspective, I'd say this. Most of the fans that stormed the court on Tuesday night were students. Most of those students were in elementary school the last time that UConn had a win anywhere close to this significant. If you are a senior at UConn right now, it means you got there got there in the fall of 2018-2019. UConn was coming off three straight losing seasons. And UConn wasn't very good when you were a freshman. And then you were a sophomore, and the team was just starting to get good, and then COVID, boom, season's over. And then, oh, by the way, last year, when the team was actually made their first NCAA tournament in five years, you couldn't go to the games because the COVID fans weren't allowed. So most of those students that, that stormed the court, this is like, the, like, like, let them be college. Like, I can't, I, I, I just, like, I can't imagine being an adult on social media and, like, criticizing another fan base for rushing. Like, who are you? I understand UConn's won national championships. Guess what? I watched that Arkansas game three weeks ago. Arkansas's won a national championship in my life. Arkansas's an awesome fan base. And there was Eric Musselman waving his shirt around. Have the time of your life, Eric Musselman. Have the time of your life, Arkansas fans. And, oh, by the way, UConn fans, have the time of your life, too. And, like, it blows my – like, I had – like, let me just say I, – I had Kentucky fans like, oh, we would never do such a... Well, let me say this, Kentucky fans, and it's not all of you. It's not even most of you. But there's a small percentage that's like, we would never do such a... Well, let me tell you this, okay? I was at the UConn-Kentucky game in 2009. I was at that game at Madison Square Garden. It was John Calipari's first year. And that was the year that Kentucky was coming off two really bad seasons under Billy Gillespie. And they really hadn't been relevant on a national scale in about a decade since they won the title in 1998 in Tubby Smith's first year. And I was at Madison Square Garden. And no, nobody rushed the court because you don't rush the court at Madison Square Garden. They got real security over there. But what I would also say is that Kentucky fans were over the moon. Kentucky fans, that was their game similar to UConn-Villanova on Tuesday night. That was their official, we are 
back moment. That was what Kentucky fans had in 2009. That is what, what UConn fans had today. I literally saw, and I'm not exaggerating, I saw Kentucky fans in the arena crying tears of joy because they were so happy and they hadn't had a moment like that in a decade. And so the idea that other fan bases aren't allowed, like I saw people like, ha, if you're a real program, you don't rush the court. Hey, shut up. Hey, how about you worry about your program over there and we worry about our program over here. Credit to UConn fans. You want to rush the court, rush the court. I'm not saying you should rush the court when you beat um, Eastern Kentucky or Central Connecticut on a Tuesday in November. But you beat the number eight team in the country, the team that has clearly run the Big East forever. Go ahead and take a moment. Celebrate. Who cares? A couple other notes from Tuesday night. First of all, what I would say, shout out Villanova. Like, seriously, shout out Villanova. Because I watched that game from beginning to end. And what I would say is, well, I thought UConn was the better team for most of that game. What I would also say is, Villanova was in position to win it late. And if it wasn't for a couple kind of sketchy calls, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Kind of sketchy calls down the stretch. Villanova probably wins that game. And even though they didn't win that game, I came away with a newfound respect for Villanova. Because when I look at Villanova, this is what I see. I see a program that is so built to win championships, that is so unfazed by the biggest, boldest, strongest, craziest, most maniacal fan. Like, Villanova in the last two weeks has walked into two of the best environments in college basketball this season. Not saying the two best, because there's other great environments. Arizona's great. Auburn's great. Arkansas's great. Rupp Arena's great. But Villanova went into Providence for the biggest game in recent Providence history, walked out with a win last week, and then this week walked in a week later at UConn in a game that was one of the biggest games in recent UConn history, and they almost went 2-0. And so they didn't win the game, but I was just so impressed by the poise, moxie, confidence, cool of this Villanova team. Credit to them. Credit to them. Even though they didn't win, this is a tough team. And what I would say about Villanova beyond just like the poise that they had on Tuesday night in Hartford, um, think about who this team has played and where they've played them. This year they've played UCLA at UCLA. They've played Baylor at Baylor. They've played UConn at UConn, Providence at Providence. They have played Purdue on a neutral court. They have played Syracuse on a neutral court. They have played Tennessee on a neutral court. That is a team, I know I said a week ago, there's only five teams that can win the national championship this year. Arizona, Auburn, Gonzaga, Duke, and Kentucky. I think we got to add that Villanova team in because I don't think there is a more mentally tough team in college basketball than that Villanova team. Finally, what I would just say, last little thought, we'll get out of here, we'll move on, and by move on, I say wrap the show. Man, like college basketball is awesome right now, <laughs> and, and, and one of my biggest takeaways from Tuesday night, this tournament is going to be insane, guys and girls. I, I, I hope you understand, this tournament is going to be freaking bananas, okay? It's going to be freaking crazy. Think about all the teams that are either really awesome or are playing really awesome basketball right now. We saw two of them Tuesday night at the Excel Center, Villanova and UConn. Think about the rest of the Big East. Providence is awesome. Providence is going to be a problem. Marquette creates a lot of problems for people. Um, you know, you go to the SEC, Arkansas is 112-13, beat Florida in Florida on Tuesday night. 
Tennessee's awesome. What do they want? 9 of 10, 10 of 11, something like that in the SEC. Kentucky's awesome. Just get full, help, fully healthy. Alabama's beating some teams. Obviously, Auburn was the number one team forever. Going to win the SEC regular season title, potentially, depending on how things go. Texas Tech is awesome. Kansas is awesome. Gonzaga's awesome. Big 10 wouldn't want to play Illinois and Kofi Coburn. Wouldn't want to play Purdue and those big guys. And so you just think Iowa, Keegan Murray, I just said it a minute ago. So you start to think about all the great teams in college basketball right now, and you start to think about all of them together on neutral courts. It's going to be just bananas. And I hope that you guys and girls understand just how awesome this tournament's going to be. If we needed any confirmation, we got it on Tuesday night, not only with UConn Villanova, but all of these great teams that we've seen throughout the season. All right, with that said, you know what it is. It's time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. That's that's all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I am drained, okay? I am wiped the freak out. So before we get out of here, I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you are not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. If you're not following on Instagram, shame on you. I did a great UConn reaction video before I did this podcast. Uh, make sure any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I think that is all for today's show. I'm wiped out. I feel like I just played a 40 minute game against Villanova. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Two quick things. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel Hates My Voice. I'll be back on Friday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'll be back. Party, baby. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.